We've been studying the letter of Ephesians, and we're in the second half in which Paul is really giving us instruction as how to live as Christian people. He opened the letter. In the first half, he opens the letter with an explanation, with an explanation of who we are in Christ, how we have been forgiven, how we have been saved, how, how God predestined us. He chose us. He adopted us. He saved us. He gave us life. He, he called us his children. He says we are no longer sinners, but we are saints. That's the work that he has done for us. And that's what Paul explained through the whole first part of the letter. It teaches us this new identity that we have in Christ, who we are now in Christ because of what he's done. But that new identity gives way to new activity. It gives a, a way into, to a new way to live, a new perspective, a new purpose, new meaning, new things to involve ourselves in, and a requirement or expectation for us to leave the things of the old life behind. And that's really what we've been studying for the last several weeks as we've worked through this and continue today. Now, just as you, I mean, as you heard, that it, it just keeps on going. He comes to us again with a, a negative command, something we shouldn't do, and a positive command, something we should do instead of what we used to do. But before we dig into it, I just want to say this. I, I, I want to stop and I just want to take a minute to, to talk to you. If you're here today and you're not a believer or a follower in Jesus Christ, you have never trusted him for life, I don't want you to think that you're here amongst, sitting amongst a bunch of people who think they have all the answers, who think they have got it all right and done everything, that, and, and they are earning their salvation. The reality is you're sitting in a room full of people who have confessed that they are failures. They don't measure up. They deserve condemnation. And then they have realized that their only hope is Jesus Christ. The, the whole heartbeat of the, the worship to this point has been, thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying in my place for my sin. If you're here today and you're not a believer, don't think that you're sitting around legalists and moralists that say, if you do these things, you will become acceptable to God. That is impossible. Jesus saved us. God saved us. And because He saved us, we are striving to live in obedience. See, we do these things. We, we submit ourselves to these commands simply because we are Christians, not to become Christians. And so if you're here today and you're not a believer, I, I need to address you first because I don't want you listening to this message thinking that I can go and stay sober and I can go and be filled with the Spirit by something I control or some power I have in myself. I need you to listen today to listen for the hope that we have in Christ. Listen to the promise that comes by the work and power of Jesus Christ through the Spirit and the indwelling Spirit for the believer. You will only ever have what we talk about today if you will trust in Jesus. So hear that in the message today. Listen for that. But if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you're a member of this church or, or whether you're a, a visitor Never, never to see us again. The reality is, is that Paul's words have special significance for you today. You see, the reality is this, is that he is calling you to a life bigger than yourself. He is calling you to, be, uh, to, to live with a power that's not your own. To live under an influence that is outside of yourself. That's bigger than your own perspective. And under an authority of another He's calling you not to be your own God. He's calling you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's unfortunate that these words, filled with the Holy Spirit, come with a lot of confusion in our church culture today. A lot of misunderstanding and, and really just 
poor teaching, to be honest. We think that it's some second work of grace that God does, some second work or, or blessing that God applies to only those special Christians who figure it out. But I don't think that's why Paul commands it the way he does here. So today we're really going to deal with that. We're going to strive to to understand what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to strive to understand how we get filled with the Spirit. How are we filled with the Spirit? And then what do we do in light of that? See, <clears throat> let's just let's just look at the commands. He starts off and he, he, he says something that just seems, okay, well that just seems okay. That seems normal. Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. That's easy, right? I mean, said another way, it would simply be, don't drink too much alcohol because that leads to further excessive living. Don't drink excessively because that leads to further excess. I mean, it may be shocking. It may be surprising. You, you may be uh, blown away by this perspective or this thought, but drunk people aren't typically the most efficient or productive people, right? Does that? It doesn't surprise me. And, and the reason it doesn't surprise me is because unfortunately in my life before I was a believer and even more unfortunately as a believer when I was acting like a little kid who didn't get his way, I spent too much time drunk. And I can tell you from personal experience that Paul is right. It leads to excessive living. My excessive alcohol consumption led to greater excess. I did things I never would have done, but you know, None of those things made my life better. In fact, they typically harmed other people. There's so many stories I could tell you of the terrible things I did when I was drunk. I spent money that I never would have spent. I was everybody's best friend. Let me buy the next round. Racked up credit card debt. Money, I would have been, I would have been smart enough not to do that had I been sober. Overreacted to situations that... I. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I would get angry at small things and I would laugh at stupid things because I was drunk. You see, the reality is this alcohol dims your perception of reality. It depresses your, your ability to process information. And so as you react, you overdo it. And you give yourself to things that you would never do. You, you become excessive in your way of life because of your excessive consumption. That, and that's what debauchery is. In our minds, I think we think debauchery, oh, that sounds like evil. You know, at least that's the way I would want to define it. But when you go look at the, what debauchery is and even the Greek word, and what it really talks about is a person who lives excessively. That's what it is. Paul's right. If you get drunk, you're going to live excessively. That's not the end of the command, right? That's what we shouldn't do. He, he contrasts this idea, this prohibition of excessive alcohol consumption against something that, in my mind, it should make us stop and think, wow, that's, those two things don't even go together. He says, don't, drunk, be, don't be drunk on wine. That's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He contrasts these two ideas. His, his point is not to condemn alcohol, but to call his readers to a moderate mature and responsible use of alcohol. Don't overdo it. Don't drink to excess. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so that brings us to our first question. What does Paul mean? If you've been affected or influenced by the Pentecostal church in any way, and maybe if you, maybe you're here today visiting and you're Pentecostal in your perspective, my, my, my intent is not to offend you. It's to call you to an understanding of the Scripture that 
that is uh, that's clearly demonstrated here. The word translated to filled indicates this this being filled from the to the brim from the from the bottom to the top, leaving no room for anything else. The word John MacArthur points out that the word is also used of a, a, a ship's sails. So you raise the sails and the wind fills them. He also points out that it's used in Scripture to to point out that salt is used to permeate and and uh, fill or or preserve meat. And he also points out one other use of the word in the Scripture is that it's used in the same way as we would talk about being filled with fear or being controlled by fear, being influenced by it, being being moved and motivated by it. I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with anger. I'm filled with anxiety. He says that this is the way that we're to be filled by the Spirit. And so as you think about what the Word means, I I think I would summarize these points in this way. First, I would say to be filled by the Spirit is to leave no room for the things of the world or the excesses of the world. That's what he's calling us away from. He's calling us away from excessive alcohol consumption and an excessive and overabundance of life in the world to an excess of the Spirit. To be filled up from top to bottom with the Spirit of God to be so completely full that you're like a, a water vat full of the wine of God. That you are, that there's no room for anything else. That everything else is pressed out and pushed away. I think he means to be filled by the Spirit is to be influenced by God's presence and for God's purpose. Like, like fear fills us or controls us. This is the idea that we are filled by the Spirit and under His influence, under His leading, under His, under His direction. And living not for our own purposes, but for His purposes. Because as He influences us, He's not here to achieve our goals. He's here to lead us to achieve the goals that God has set for us. He's here to lead us to achieve God's will for our lives and the lives of those around us. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and skip down here so you can see it. I'm going to skip to the second half of this whole passage where he starts talking about what we do as we're filled. Not once does he say, go show up at a worship experience or worship service and have an emotional experience. Not once does he say, start spouting off words that nobody else can understand or has no fruit or bearing on anyone. He says, be filled and do this for other people. Be fruitful and beneficial to the lives of others under the influence for the purpose of God. That's what he's saying. Be so filled with Him that your life takes on a new direction. Be so filled with Him that you can't help but follow Him. I think to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to to be submissive to God's rule. It's just like a boat. You raise those sails. It's like, you know, John MacArthur pointed out. He said that the wind fills the sails. You raise the sails. That boat has no choice but to do what the wind tells it to do, right? It doesn't go and do its own thing. It follows the direction and command of the wind. Brothers and sisters, we were not saved to be our own gods. We are not saved to be free to do whatever we please to do. We are saved to be filled, to be submissive and obedient to the call, to the command of God. And that's why this particular phrase, this particular command of Paul's is so significant. We are to be filled, submissive, obedient, under His influence, led by Him 
blown by the wind of our Savior, blown by the wind of His Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be empowered for God's service. That boat, that boat never moves without the wind. You tie the sails to the mast, it will sit still and it will bob on the waves like a bobber that has no direction or purpose. Christian, because of our Savior and the work of the Spirit through our Savior, you and I can do things with eternal consequence. You can see your efforts multiplied to last in the lives of people forever and ever and ever. Think of the legacy that comes by being filled and empowered in this way. It's no longer just saving up for a rainy day. It's better than a retirement account. This lasts forever. There's no end to it. There's nothing bigger, brighter, fancier, more special. Nothing with longer lasting consequence because of this eternal and infinite ear. Ir, ir, irreproducible. I mean, the, the, the words and the, and, the, and the adjectives, they're just flowing. You go back and you read Paul's prayers about God's, God's power. It's, it's beyond us. It's bigger than we can imagine. It, it accomplishes more than we can even think or ask. More than you can imagine. And this power is yours to use for the benefit of others. Be filled with the Spirit. See, that's what, he's, that's what he's meaning in the word. That's the word he chose. But it's not just the word he chose. It's how he said it that will help us really understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit, it, it, it's, it's, the word translated filled is in the present passive imperative. And really, I brought that to you just to make myself sound smart. Let's just be honest. What that means, seriously, what it means is that this command is something that we're always to continue doing. We're always to be doing this. We're always to be being filled. And you put that together. You put this idea that it's something that we're, we're always to be pursuing. We're always to be being filled. We're always to, to, to go after this thing. And you put that together with what it means to be crammed full of the Spirit. To be so full of Him that you can't help but obey Him. To be so full of Him that there's no room for the things of the world. To be so full of Him that you exude His power. And everywhere you go and everything you touch, it turns to eternal gold. To be so full, that's what we're called to. He says, keep on doing it. When you put these two ideas together, I think this is what it means when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And we're not to be drunk online. We're not to be given to excesses of this world, but we are commanded to drink excessively of God's Spirit. Think about it. You're not to be drunk online. You're not to be drunk or or inundated with the influence of this world, the presence and meaning and the, and, the, and, the, and the stuff that this world raises up in front of you. But you are to be drinking excessively, abundantly, without measure, without stopping, without, without taking time to sober up, without looking for a chance to, to look away and do something different. You are to be so excessive that you do not find satisfaction with what you have in the Spirit. That you continue to pursue, continue to chase, continue 
to put yourself in a place that you might be filled by Him. See, what, what Paul's calling us to is a life of moderation in the things of the world. Can you enjoy the things of the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. But enjoy them in moderation. But when it comes to God and the things of God, you don't give up. You pursue with passion. You strive for Him. You chase after Him. You make your life about Him. Everything from the very bottom to the top be motivated for Him. Everything from the bottom to the top be empowered by Him. Everything from the bottom to the top being influenced in Him. That's what He's saying. You you can be full of and you can have too much of everything in the world. But you can't have too much spirit. We've been deceived, brothers and sisters. We have been deceived. And that's why we pursue so much of the world. You can have too much. But you can't have too much of Him. That is powerful. And it ought to shake us to the core. Because I, I, I'm glad to see you here this morning. I really am. But I'm not going to lie to you. It was nice outside. I was riding my motorcycle, wind in my hair. Why do you laugh at that? I wanted to keep on riding. Have you been tempted this week? Other things of the world? Do you fall into that temptation? You see, our time together, I, I recognize you along with me, our time together is so important to us that we gave up the things we could be doing on this beautiful day. Because we can have too much of that. I'm telling you, the Word is telling us, Paul is telling us we can't have too much of this. So how do we get it? It's obvious it doesn't just happen naturally. I mean, otherwise, Paul would have just said, hey, you're going to get filled up and just enjoy the ride, right? That's not how he said it, is it? He gave us a command to be filled. And it's important we recognize another piece of this grammar is that it is in the passive voice, meaning that we have some part to play in it, but we can't do it all. We can't make it happen. We can't We can't look at the Spirit and say, fill me now. Oh, okay, I... Maybe you didn't hear me. Fill me now. You still didn't hear me? Fill me now. We, can't, we don't have that power. We don't have that authority. In fact, that's flipping the whole thing upside down. That's putting God under your authority. That's putting God in, in obedience and in power to you. That's reducing Him. So we can't control it all. But we do have a part to play and That's why Paul commands us to it. So how do we get it? How do we get from where we are to where we're supposed to be? I think that maybe you've already figured this out. You're a pretty smart group of people. You set aside the excessive life in this world in order to experience the excessive life of God's presence. I don't have five steps for you. I don't have, I don't have 12 catchy things that you can take home with you. I've got this one. Set aside the things of the world and the excesses that come with them, that you might enjoy the excessive presence of God's Spirit in your life. You see, the reality is this. 
Many of us experience the filling of the Holy, Holy Spirit. We may, maybe you didn't know what to call it before. Maybe, maybe you didn't have a language for it, but that's what Paul's, Paul's saying. If you enjoy a, an ongoing, uh, intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, then it is you are being filled by Him. And some of us, as believers, some of us have a greater experience that than, than others of us. And I think the key is this. Some of us are still trying to hang on to all that the world has to offer. That might be relationships. It might be your identity as a, a parent, a, a spouse, a brother, or a sister. It might, it might be some, some identifying factor. I, want, I used to want to be known as the aircraft mechanic. I mean, that's because that's how messed up I was. I just wanted people to think I was cool. I work on airplanes. And people would say, oh, that's a pretty cool job. Okay. It doesn't make sense to me now, but it sure made sense then. Some identifying factor that, that gives you a sense of purpose and meaning in the world. It could be your wealth. It could be any number of things. It could be that you just want to have a party Friday night. Before I became a Christian, I think I've shared with this with most of you, before I became a Christian, I thought it was pretty awesome. I was turning 21 before most of my friends, and I was going to go home, and I was going to buy alcohol for all my underage friends, break the law, and just have a big party. I was all excited about it. And about three weeks before I turned 21, God opened my eyes, and He saved my soul. You know how much alcohol my friends got from me? None. You know why? Because I recognized that that it's not what he's called me to. I didn't want to be identified in that way any longer. My heart has so radically changed. I wanted something different. I wanted him. <clears throat> I don't want you to get the idea that, that we can fill ourselves with the Spirit by, by, by just relieving ourselves of these things. Emptying ourselves and emptying our mind. That's Eastern meditation and that's a load of hogwash. There's better words that we could use, but we're in church, so we won't. It's wrong. Paul wrote a parallel passage. I think will help us help us kind of get this and see it. And I think it'll I think it'll cause it to sink deep into you. In Colossians, it was a very similar uh, uh, similar intent to his letter. In Colossians three sixteen, it says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you see how that's a parallel passage? Because the very thing He tells us to do as we're filled with the Spirit is telling He's telling us to do as we are filled with the Word of Christ. To be filled with the Spirit, how do you get it? You let the Word of Christ, the, the, the message of the cross, the Gospel, Oh, the, the work that He did on your part, you let that dwell in you richly. Listen, studying, meditating, memorizing, and cramming yourself full of God's Word, in this, it's the same as raising the sails on your boat. It's the same as you taking the salt and putting it on the meat. It's the part you play. The wind blows the boat and the salt does its work on the meat. You didn't do anything but put it in the way. you got to get in the way of the Spirit. Let your life be in line with Him. Study, meditate, cram, memorize, 
your the, the Word of God, that He might blow you along, that He might preserve you, that He might lead you, influence you, empower you. You see, when you fill yourself with the message of the cross, when you fill yourself with the Word of God, the Spirit will do what the Spirit does. But brothers and sisters, we have been deceived. And I am experiencing the fruit of stepping out of that deception. We're not Roman Catholic for those of you that are visiting. We're not anywhere near that. But we, uh, as, as our leadership team this year, decided to observe Lent. <clears throat> I don't know who all in the church is doing it. It's not something we're doing on a huge scale or making a big deal out of. And I'm not telling you what I'm about to tell you to simply get a pat on the back, but to illustrate a point. See, I decided, I recognized in my life the entertainment, the entertainment value and the influence of television and movies that, that, that they were having in my life. How they were numbing me, how they were, how they were uh, causing me, I was laughing at things that dishonored God. I was, I was being influenced to do things that I wouldn't normally do because I was so wrapped up in this, in this perspective that the world has. And, and let me tell you, the, the movies and television, the movies and television, they may not intend to set you astray, but I can tell you they will set you astray. For 20 days now, just over 20 days, I, I'm not taking Sundays off like many people do as they observe Lent. I just, I don't want it. So I've set it all aside and I'm not watched. I, I, I did watch the other night. I was at uh, my mother-in-law's house and they were, I, we were having dinner and they had a movie playing while we ate. So I couldn't help but see it. But I did things to try to occupy myself in the time, not to be legalistic, but to simply say, I'm giving this up. I don't want it. I desire something greater. And what I've done in that time is I've spent it in prayer, spent in Scripture and the study of Scripture. And I can tell you my mind is clearer. My recognition and the ability to see falsehood is more sharp. My desire for more of Him is even greater. Couldn't have told you this was coming. But as I read these words from Paul, I knew why I was where I am. Because I'd given up the excess of the world that I might drink excessively of the Spirit. See, brothers and sisters, we have been deceived. Yeah, we can enjoy things in the world. But we can have too much. How do we get to where we need to be? How do we, how do we do our part in being filled? We let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. We set aside the excesses of the world that we might have the excess of God's presence and power. That brings us to one last question. What do we do once we're filled? And that's really the point of the rest of Paul's words in this passage is he comes to us and he says, sing and make music, sing together, speaking to one another in, in psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs. Make music with your heart to the Lord, he says. You know, I would summarize this this way. Worship by encouraging others to worship. You know, this is probably the greatest argument in Scripture for for uh, listening to Christian radio, I know most of many of you don't. I, I don't know. Maybe most most of you do. I don't. I don't know. But there's a reality that music has a message, and we're influenced by that message. Now I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoy listening to some Pink Floyd, 
I know it dates me. It'll be all right. But I'm going to tell you that Pink Floyd has a message. And it's not really a positive one. It doesn't lead me to the Lord. It doesn't help me understand the depth and the power and the majesty of the cross. It doesn't help me understand what I deserve. But instead of what I've been given. But see, the idea is not that you're just taking this in. It's then you're turning around and giving it to others. Oftentimes we automatically think that the only audience is God, and absolutely He's the purpose for it. He's the reason that we sing. My brothers and sisters, we need to hear each other sing and speaking in this way. We desperately need it. And as you do that, being filled by the Spirit, as you do that, your words carry eternal consequence. They can shape and mold and sanctify and empower and encourage and embolden the believers around you. One of the most beautiful things we get to do together is gather every Sunday morning and sing together. And as you sing, I don't care if you've got a good voice. If you sit next to me, you know it doesn't matter if you have a good voice. You'd get to know, we, we get to know, we get to know that we can encourage others by the words in our psalms, in our hymns, in our spiritual songs. We need to be influenced by music that's gospel-centered and God-honoring. I, I, he goes on, he says that, that we're to be thankful in all we do. As you're filled by the Spirit, live a life of gratitude. This is a tough one. Because we like to be we like to say we're grateful for the things we like. I'm grateful God's made my life easy. You know, the the, the one leper that understood he'd been healed and he out of ten, one leper turns around, recognizes I need to thank the man that just healed me. That is pretty powerful. I mean, it, it's easier to do though, right? Paul's call is to be thankful in everything. That, that, that even means the things that are difficult. The things that hurt in the moment. The most intense instant of suffering is one to be grateful for. Because God uses all things for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. There's not a moment of your life, even before you knew Him, there's not a moment of your life that is wasted. It is purposeful and intentional and planned and ordained by the eternal God. And it's worthy of gratitude. It's worthy of thankfulness. Be thankful. And as you do that, the Spirit takes your attitude and turns it to worship and honor and adoration. And you actually get to worship the God who created you and the God who chose to save you in spirit and in truth. You see, you get to become the worshiper that you were always intended to be as we live in gratitude and be filled by the Spirit. Then He says this, 
maybe the most difficult expectation of the whole thing, but by the power of the Spirit, by His influence, it's what happens. He says, submit to one another. I might say it like this, serve one another selflessly. Paul said it in Philippians, to consider the needs of others more significant than your own. The idea is that you take your eyes off of yourself for long enough to realize that you're not the center of the universe. I hate to burst your bubble. But that you can begin to see the people around you. Do you have needs? Absolutely. But you're filled by the Spirit. God's going to meet your needs. You're empowered, influenced, led under His authority. He's going to meet your needs. He's going to take care of you. He's already given you more than you could imagine and more than you could have ever thought you wanted. You don't have to be concerned about yourself anymore. You see, being filled by the Spirit enables you to serve one another. It's not looking for something back. But to give up your own will for the good of the people sitting around you. That's the Christian life. But brothers and sisters, we have been deceived. We believe that if we can fill our bank accounts and we can fill our, our, our portfolios and we can fill our resume with all these good things to say about ourselves, we can promote ourselves, we can make a way for ourselves. He says being filled with the Spirit sets yourself aside so that you might be a benefit to somebody else. That's what we do. That's what we've been called to. So really, I guess it comes down to this. Where are you being deceived? What excesses in this world are you giving yourself to? What do you need to let go of? So that you can drink excessively with the fountain of God's Spirit. I'd like to issue a challenge, in fact, and maybe this is going to be a silly way to end this and close it up. But for those of you that that aren't partaking in Lent already and having given something up and replacing it with the things of the Lord, I'd, I'd like to just issue the, the challenge. That we'll, I'll just call it the Be Spirit-Filled Challenge. Paul's command to you. Be filled with the Spirit. From now to Easter, I want you to give something up. I want you to, I want you to give up the excesses of this world. And maybe it's more than one thing. Maybe, maybe let, let me just work it out like this. I think, and, and I'll send this in an email to those in the church. If you want this email, you get me your email, and I'll make sure you get it if you don't aren't already on our mailing list. Set aside the normal music that you listen to. Fill your mind with music that has Christian lyrics, gospel-centered messages. And if you need some, uh, I'll make sure you get some. Just don't ask me how I'm going to do it. Just know I'll make sure you get some. Spend time every day meditating on the message of the cross, the word of Christ. Spend time thinking about the gospel. Jesus Christ died in your place for your sins. You don't deserve this. You could never earn it. You can't pay him back and you can't make yourself worthy enough to stand before God to say, I did it. I finally measured up. The good news is this. God, through Jesus Christ, has applied righteousness on you. He has cleansed you white as snow. He no longer sees your sin. He calls you His saint. He has adopted you into His family. That's the gospel. 
Meditate on it. Spend time every day. Before you get out of the house, think about it. What did it mean? Read every day. Pick a psalm. Start in Psalm 1. I, I don't know. Maybe you start someplace else. Start somewhere. Read a psalm every day. You're like, man, that sounds like an awful lot. Set aside the excesses of the world. You got time, I guarantee it. I found a lot of time. I promise you, it's there. Drink from the fountain. Read every day from the Psalms, at least one. And then, get together with your Christian family. I'm not talking about your brothers and sisters by blood. I'm talking about your brothers and sisters in the faith. At least once a week. You sing together. You share the words that God has given you together. And you worship leading one another to worship. Do it. Do it. I challenge you. I dare you. I triple dog dare you to do this. It means you can't get you can't back out. Just so you know. That's the greatest dare. You can't back out. Set aside time every day to consider what you should be thankful for. Remember. There's not an instant, not a moment, not a second of your life, not a blink of your eye that doesn't deserve gratitude towards God because He has ordained every, every instant already. He deserves your gratitude. Set aside time to be thankful for Him. Think about what He's done for you, what He's doing for you, and what He has promised He will do for you. Think about it. Turn your attention away from the things that you want. Turn your attention away from the things that you want, the goals for your life, the hopes and dreams of your life that's going to make you feel good to everybody in front of everybody in the world. And you set those aside and give yourself to the, to the people of God around you. Listen, this is addressed to the church. I'm not saying to your neighbors, and I'm not saying first and foremost to the, to the lost people down the street, I'm saying, submit yourself to one another. It starts here. Does that mean you ignore your neighbors or the lost people down the street? Absolutely not. We need to do that. But the, the, the Spirit fills us to bless one another first. At the end of this challenge, when it comes Easter time, I want you to come back to me and I want you to tell me if it was worth it. You see, I can stand here confident in knowing it'll be worth it. Partly because of my own experience, but more importantly because I know God is big enough to do what He says He's going to do. You see, I have no doubt if you'll set aside the excesses of this world and you'll spend time in pursuit of Him, you will never feel like you gave anything up. You'll only see great gain. How are you being deceived? How do you need to set it aside? How do you need to drink from the excess of God's Spirit? How do you need to be filled by His Spirit? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the power and the presence You have in our lives. We thank You that Your Word is truth and we can count on it. We can take it to the bank. More dependable than anything else we have. God, we thank You. We thank You. That it's not just a resource but that it actually transforms us, feeds us, nourishes us, empowers us. Thank you for your indwelling presence in our lives. Even in the mistakes and the failures and our falling to temptation, 
even in the difficulty and the, and the problems of life. You're there. How we are great. In these moments, Father, bring conviction of our sin and shine the light of hope that not, not that, that leads us to repentance. Shine the light that we might see that there is something worth far more. He has a much greater gain. Thank you, Father. It's all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.